what makes a great cycling event successful? And why are we more interested in riding further and self-supported than ever before? Hello everyone and welcome back to the Castelli podcast. This is the show where we delve into the world of Castelli and uncover the stories from the people behind the brand. We'll explore what inspires us to create the most performance-driven and comfortable cycling clothing, all aimed at helping cyclists around the world go further in greater comfort. I'm your host, Søren Jensen, Castelli Marketing Manager, and today we have a fantastic episode lined up for you with our own brand manager, Steve Smith, who would like to share his experience and thoughts on riding the 2023 edition of the Tuscany Trail. Steve will take us through his unforgettable two-day journey riding through Tuscany's stunning scenery and charming towns. Talk about how to prepare for this gravel adventure, what clothing to wear, logistics and more. Steve shared his story with the rest of the Castelli marketing team over a coffee yesterday morning. So I couldn't resist the opportunity to have him share his story with all of you on the Castelli show today. Now, for those of you who may not be familiar with the Tuscany Trail, don't worry. We'll begin with a quick overview of this remarkable event. So sit back, relax and get ready to be transported to Tuscany. The Tuscany Trail is the first bikepacking event in the world and the first and original unsupported bicycle adventure. It stretches almost 500 kilometers with over 7,000 meters of elevation gain, riding from the north to the south, in and out of central Italy's coast. The route is uploaded on the GPS and to be covered at one's own pace without time limit, self-sufficient, because adventure is a right that must be within everyone's reach as true adventures of the 21st century. From a modest start 10 years ago, the event has now grown to have 3,000 starters and has grown to be one of the biggest bikepacking events in Europe. Cruising along a rolling section of roads or trails, you will find people of all age groups from more than 35 different nations come together, dressed in everything from aerofitting lycra to casual clothing, with a wide span from tiny to big backpacking bags, steel, carbon and titanium gravel and mountain bikes. The route takes in several UNESCO World Heritage sites, Roman buildings from before Christ, and towns that feel like you jumped at least a thousand years back in time. These amazing centers of culture are surrounded by twisting vineyards, endless olive groves, lines of cypress trees, country houses, and medieval villages. Of course, there are some of the classic rolling hills and white roads we know from the Strade Bianche and Le Eroica that the area is so famous for. And there's also a broad range of trails, including farm trails, forest roads, cobbles and paved sections. This is all mixed with amazing local cuisine, public water fountains to stay hydrated, and the steady pace of life makes for an ideal bikepacking destination. This is a tour de force of the Tuscany region with so many highlights and fantastic trails. You literally don't know whether to stop at every one and spend two weeks riding the route or just soak it all in as you move along, saving those special moments to come back one day and tour it slowly, savoring the route as if it was a tasting tour of all the local specialities of La Bella Toscana. 
Hey Steve, it's great to have you back on the show. Let's dive straight into where we left off yesterday morning when you shared your riding experience on the Tuscany Trail with the rest of us. To begin with, could you provide us with some details about the event, course and dates? So Tuscany Trail is billed as Europe's biggest bike packing event. So it's a 480 kilometer route through Tuscany, which if you've been to Tuscany, you know, there's not a practically not a single flat meter of, of, of roads in Tuscany, but it is one of the most beautiful spots on earth. So 480 K there's a start and there's a finish and there's a route. And what you do in between is up to you. So most people did the intelligent route and tried to do it in four days. Number did it in three days, which would be what about 160 K a day. I wrote it with Davide Cassani and Alessandro Fior and we did it, tried to do it in two days. So that was our goal as we set out and pretty much did that. Uh, then there was a few people that did it one shot, which those guys are nuts. So and, uh, I don't know if anyone finished in under 24 hours, but that would be quite an undertaking. And then there was just a few of us. We didn't, I didn't see a lot of people doing it in two days. A lot of people in three, I think the probably the most popular was four days, which is still 120 K yeah. of gravel a day. So yeah. it would be six, seven hours on the bike. That's a long yeah. day on the bike, yeah. And how was the temperature? Because early June... We had everything from proper hot to like 12 degrees and pouring down rain. So it was a wide, wide range. How did oh. you cope with the weather change, both with the rain and hot weather? Yeah, I mean, obviously we have the right clothing for that. So um, the day before looking at the forecast kind of range, I put in uh, an insulation layer, put in an hydro jacket, of course, vest, and then... Generally just went with, uh, I did one day with a premium short, one day with super leggera. And yeah, so I just dressed fairly light because on each day we had some hot weather and then in the afternoon we had thunderstorms and then it got nice again towards the evening and it got cold or cool towards the evening. So, um, you know, layering was definitely it. And so uh, on the bike, I had a big seat bag with a change of clothes because I, you know, knew I don't want to do two straight 13 hour days in one pair of shorts. So had a full complete change of clothes. And then I had those layers for whatever conditions, either between a pocket and the seat or the, the frame break. That way they're really easy and accessible because every time you open up that seat bag, it loses some of the compression. And if it's not compressed well, it sits there and just rocks back and forth and drives you nuts. Seat bag, I tried to just put in stuff that I needed like the next day or emergency stuff like a you know spare tube i had one spare tube in the frame bag and then the other one in the in the seat bag and all the chargers that i needed that night yeah so. did you encounter any difficulties throughout the course uh, no so <laughs> my mechanical I mean, yeah no mechanical is fine uh, the only kind of semi-mechanical i encountered was uh it rained so much the first day the chain went totally dry and i didn't bring chain lube and just like at the point when it was kind of starting to bother me we, there was a i think the only one i saw in two days there was a shimano neutral support so pulled in there fresh bath of, of oil on the chain and off we went and you also so, went yeah nice must have been tough riding that distance over two days in all kind of weather with the benefit of hindsight two days was kind of my limit of what i want to do so we were on the bike uh 12 and a half hours the first day 13 hours the second day that's actual riding time and then yeah, the biggest thing in these long events like this is just keeping your body fueled. So you're stopping to eat, you're stopping for lunch. I mean, there's a good number of stops on the way. So it turned into leaving about 6.30 each morning and then got to the hotel at 10.30 at night on the first day and finished it at about 1.30 in the morning on the second day. So 
Nice. Yeah. But, but 7,000 meters of climbing, uh, 60% off road. Most of that was good gravel. Some of it was on Strade Bianchi, which is better than roads. Some of it was on yeah, gravel, dirt roads that were kind of rough. And then probably out of the entire two days, there was probably two, two and a half hours that were really rough stuff that you'd be happier yeah. on a on a dual suspension mountain bike <laughs> so you guys basically hit the trails also yeah oh yeah nice how do you feel about riding in trio with uh, david casani and alessandra fiore yeah no it was awesome because the company was really good um you know davide he, he did it the hard way he got his first gravel bike the day before the event it was all Boy. new to him <laughs> uh so yeah he had to learn as he went uh but you know nine tours of france means that The guy, the guy knows how to ride a bike, yeah, so yeah. he was fine. <laughs> and then Alessandra, um, she's done a lot of these ultra things, and she was, she's probably the strongest one of the bunch. Oh, really? So, yeah. yeah, she's a great rider, and so it was, it was good. We were fairly evenly matched. Um, those guys are faster in the hills than I was, and then uh, on the flats, I don't know why. I've got a climber's physique, but a flat, a ruler body motor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But uh, 7,000 meters, there's a lot of climbing there. That's a lot of climbing. Also, I mean, we know that Terran or the area of Tuscany with those rolling hills that we all know from the Strade Bianche and the Eroica. Yeah. But just to put it in perspective, the yeah. start of the second day from Buon Convento on part of the route from the Strade Bianche, the first 55K we did about 1,600 meters, which is the same as the Maratona Sella Ronda. True. <laughs> But True. There was some flattish sections in there, so the hills were actually yeah, steeper. So it was it was a good challenge. Yeah. So did you also ride in groups with some other people when you guys left, or? Yeah. So the 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 the, the way the stages start is you can start from I think it starts about six six in the morning on that on the first of June, and then uh, people I think that you're supposed to start within the second day. So you know, people starting kind of rolling out all together. In that first day, we were almost always with other people. So, I mean, you kind of jump between grooves because somebody's fast or somebody's slower, so you stop to eat. So yeah. um, you're not really with the same group the whole time, but uh, but you're always with people. Yeah. And, you know, we we took an approach of more stops to, to eat, take all our fuel with us. And so it was kind of funny. We passed the same guys like 10 times. So guys that were slow and steady you know, versus us, which were fast and stoppy. Where did you stop to eat? Like, did you just have a normal panino or did you actually stop for some real food or did you do that in the evening? Yeah, no. So we, you know, fueled, had breakfast before we started, then at 6.30, 6.45. And then about 9.30, there was a great little bar breakfast spot. Uh, so we had a second breakfast after three hours and then yeah. we rode. We had proper sit-down lunch at a restaurant, you know, took our break there at... Volterra, I yeah. guess it was. Yeah, so beautiful. We were pretty much ready by then because there was a long climb up to Volterra, which is pretty challenging. So, yeah, yeah. And then yeah, they keep it going like that. So you know, every two, three, four hours, you got to put in some proper food. Yeah. Then you're eating bars or I packed sandwiches. I put it basically in my frame bag was mostly food. I probably had 10,000 calories in that. So you just got you. Got, that's the biggest just thing on it. these, and and yeah, that's the message I would give is like, guys, it's These long events are they're kind of fun because it's a big adventure and they're actually easier than it sounds like because if you know if you think about going off and doing a 12 hour ride or 200 what we got 240 k gravel yeah it sounds really daunting but the biggest thing there is just you got to go easy because your legs there's nothing you can your legs can't go hard for that no, long no no 
And so what it really becomes is a matter of eating. Yeah. So, I mean, you got to train a bit for the long distance, but then after that, yeah, you just keep the fuel coming in. You got to, you, know, you start the day with your, with your tank full and then you, you have to kind of feather it down and kind of find that equilibrium where your output is the same as your input. Yeah. And, uh, then you kind of, you settle into your pace and you could just go forever. Who was in charge of the whole logistic? Was that you or was it yeah, David so and Alessandra? I was actually going to do the event with another friend of mine with, okay. who, with whom I'd done the Veneto Gravel. So we've done the Traca together. We've done Jeroboam together. We did Veneto Gravel together. So we're pretty evenly matched. And then something came up for him. But in the meantime, I had reserved uh, a Bon Convento exactly halfway. So it's event like this was challenging because there's so many people out there on the road you can't just count on finding a spot when you're when you're tired no. you have to plan ahead and, and pick that where you're going to stop which means you have to get there right and so <laughs> yeah so it puts a new challenge to it now so we looked at the route and said okay i think we can do 240k that first day and we did and we stayed out on it pretty good and got there at 10 30 at night would have been nice to have gotten there a little bit earlier to But because of the way our timing was, we stopped and ate right before we got to the hotel. You know, I could have pushed on, but then you get to the hotel at nine o'clock and then it's kind of late to eat. Yeah, so yeah. you kind of, there in the evening, you plan your eat stops basis. So you arrive there at nine o'clock and then you get your shower, clean up your stuff, and then uh, you have dinner. But you don't really sleep that much because in less than six hours time, you need to be back out there on the bike. No, you said you're leaving yeah. at six thirty in the morning. No, so we we get to the hotel at 10.30. Just okay. Like unpacked, yeah. Uh, took a shower and then immediately to bed. Slept seven, seven and a half hours, and then wake up, eat, eat again. Uh, head out six thirty, six forty-five. So, I, you know, there's some of these guys that'll sleep two, three, four hours a night, which I don't understand. There's some guys that'll take, you know, sleep in the tent or a bivy bag, and, and I don't know. I just that hot shower and a yeah proper just, bed uh, to me makes a world of difference because. Yeah. So for me, for this stuff, I want to keep a smile on my face. Yeah. That's my main goal. So if it takes me a little while longer, that's okay. But you also got a lot of stuff there at night, maybe to charge from phone, from your Wahoo device or Garmin to lights. Yeah, no. So for sure, you've got all the electronics to charge. Um, here, I've, I invested into really good lights. And so the the, the big light uh, the on my handlebars, it has an external battery that doubles up as a power bank so some oh, of that stuff will charge gotcha. yeah. on the way and then get to the hotel and it's, it's mostly phone and and the bike computer bike computer you yeah. gotta have the route on there yeah and then backlight of course you want to have always yeah yeah but it must have been amazing also you know, crossing all the hills because it's not first time for you in toscany i mean after your 23 years yeah. 24 years almost living in italy. in italy yeah, yeah. I mean, you've been to Tuscan a lot of times. I know, and you've done the Strade Bianche, Sportive. Every year. Every so, year, yeah. yeah. So you have a big love for, for Tuscany and Italy in, in general. Like uh, Nova Eroica, so I've been down there a lot. But even so, out of the 480K, I think something close to 400 kilometers of this was all new to me. Wow. So a lot of places, I you know, towns I'd been to, maybe not that road, but also discovered a lot of cool places. I'm definitely going to go back and, and uh, do a a little bit more friendly route and go back with the wife and have a, yeah, do it in longer than two days. So that leads to another question here of mine. What sets it apart from other cycling adventures or bikepacking events that you have done? Oof. Um, I think anyone who's been to Tuscany knows how spectacular it is. So the scenery, just the everything about Tuscany is amazing. But here you don't really have 
big, super long climbs, uh, but not a lot of flat either. So, you know, you don't get onto a climb that takes you an hour and a half. Uh, right. And then here, generally the roads were roads were okay, a little bit rough in places, but fairly smooth. And then, of course, Tuscany, you've got the advantage of great food the whole time. Even though we did stop at like a uh, pretty low level pizza fast food place, but that was what we were <laughs> what we needed at that point on the afternoon of the course. second day. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, also riding, I mean, you were riding with two good friends and just soaking up the beautiful landscapes and, and being in an amazing company. I remember also watching some of your stories that you posted uh, on Instagram or Strava. I mean, you could see it just like, it was something that was enjoyable. It was something that was not a race, even though that you guys rode 240 kilometers and 3000 plus meters of climbing per day. But so you think this is this is a bucket list ride? Definitely, I'd put it up there. Um, just because it's yeah, it, it, the, the spirit of the ride too. Because nobody's out there racing. Yeah, and so um, it's just like every hour there is constantly changing. They take you to some absolutely spectacular places. Yeah, so it's really a big adventure. You know, especially I think if you broke it down into like three, even better it would be four days. Like, go ahead and push for those. 120k you're riding, make it to a hotel by mid-afternoon with a pool. Yeah, that would be an amazing four-day holiday. Um, two days is <laughs> it's at the limit. It's maybe a little bit limit. Maybe three days is better. Maybe I might even join you next year. Then all right, I'll be up for that one. Wait, that was, three I, days though, it's still what, almost ten hour, nine hours a day of, of riding. So of it's riding. still a solid, solid day. Solid day, yeah. But yeah, it's a little bit more manageable than yeah two days i need to get get some longer rides in uh, i think the last long one i did was probably was that 14 maybe even more 15 years ago when we rode back from the Eurobike show yeah. you remember yeah. <laughs> preparation for this is actually a little bit easier than other events because you just have to get in some long long days so um you know, I've, I've done a number of these long we call them ultra i mean ultra to me is more like transcontinental right. or, or or race across but america, america yeah more extreme yeah the charge but these long long rides like this i've done enough of them that uh it's like you have to start you know a number of months before they're just building up some longer rides you know, i know myself well enough i know how to prepare for these that i'll start really like two months before the event start to put on some proper long rides, you know, getting up over 150, 200 kilometers. And part of it is getting used to long rides. Part of it is getting your body used to sitting on that bike in that position. So I'll start right. doing those rides on the bike I'll use in the event. Yeah. And then really in the month before the event, I'll start to do some long rides, especially like uh, Saturday, Sunday, back to back and you know, do like four or five hours one day and seven, eight the next day. That way you can kind of replicate the, the depth of that. Yeah. But what's most important there is finding your pace because it's such a fine line between being at an easy pace you can keep going at forever and exploding. Right. And to me, it seems like it's there's a, probably about a five heartbeat, heartbeat difference. For me, it's like I go forever pace is around 130 beats per minute. But at like 135, the fuse is lit, and I know that after six, seven hours, it'll, I'll just implode. It yeah. And so, uh, what I did for training for this one because it was like proper hard. Fortunately, during the Giro d'Italia, we had two stages that were just about the right distance from my house in Bassano. So, 
the first the time trial stage in Chizena where Remco won and, won, then, yeah. and then pulled out of the, out of the Giro. It's 230k from my house, so I left. I wanted to go see the stage anyway, so I could have slept in, got in the car at 10 o'clock, been down there at 12:30 and watched the stage. Instead, I left at 6:30 and rode eight hours there. Fortunately, it was absolutely about four and a half hours of that. It absolutely poured down rain, so I got to test the new jacket that's coming in summer 24. Yeah, best jacket ever for yeah. me. We'll, we'll then, keep that for another episode. Yeah. yeah, and then the next week was the stage in Bergamo. I didn't know this, but Bergamo and Cesena are exactly the same distance, 229K <laughs> from my house. But going down to Cesena the first week, I kind of kept it at just the right pace. And maybe the last hour, it got a little bit hard. I was ready to quit, but good day. The next time going to Bergamo started off and just felt so good. It felt like I had a wind at my back and a little bit falls flat downhill flat, and yeah. got to Verona. So after 95K, and it's like a 30 three kilometer an hour average and it just oh, felt good like, wow <laughs> it felt like uh, this yeah. is my day yeah we did the, but the heart rate was a little bit high right so okay. it felt it felt great and then uh but sure enough the the numbers don't lie a couple hours later it started getting hard and then in the last two hours to to bergamo were absolute <laughs> suffer fest i mean the it was it was bad one of the biggest uh disasters of a riot in my time it took me like three four days to recover from that so it's it's really true i mean it was, i'm glad i did that because really it was a it was a hard realization of where my limit is we come in two weeks later at the tuscany trail i know what my number is i know that yeah. i keep it down from that and so it was really good just to get that internal pacing right and after that i mean my the best legs, the best I felt of the entire two days was in the last three hours. Yeah. You know, you, it's like in a stage race when you get into that pace where you can't really push 100%. Like to go up to a maximum effort is hard, but that long diesel level, just you can go at it forever. It was the same, I think, also with Davide and Alexandra. I mean, also because you got to moderate your pace or try not just to fit the pace too, so it works for everyone in, within, the, within the group. Did you guys also have enough time to just sit on the bike and, and chat while riding and... Yeah, because I mean, obviously for this, you're never going that hard. Hard, yeah. So, yeah, and a lot of time you're on gravel, so you can ride in a group. It's not, you don't have to be single file on a busy road. So, right, yeah, true. Lots of chatting and then you can find other people on the road. And, and with Davide, who's a bit of a celebrity here in Italy, he's a, he has unending patience uh, for talk to these people. nice so nice yeah it was good it's like ambassadors for the sport yeah it was, it was it was a fun two days yeah well no, we should definitely go down next year and maybe in a bigger group that will be all as everyone on the same doing these in a big group is hard so. yeah but like maybe go with more of us but have smaller groups smaller groups because depending on some know, different pace and because uh goal. what kills you on these is if you stop too much and if the bigger the group, there's always True. always somebody has to get something out of their bag. Someone has to stop and eat. Someone has mechanical, to mechanical or, and, yeah. and yeah, the, the stops add up. So I read, I think it was on the website that there were almost 40 different nations participating at the Tuscany Trail this year. Did you run into people from? Yeah, yeah, people mostly Europe, obviously. Yeah. but uh, yeah, I mean, it was kind of cool because it was all kinds of people, I and mean, there's probably. I don't know, 25, 30% of the people on mountain bikes. Yeah. Um, mountain bikes, okay. Yeah. And of course, mostly gravel bikes, but people from all over the world. But you can see some people that are definitely coming from more of a racing or speed background. Other people that are 
you know, clearly load up the bike and, and long distance touring kind of background. So you and even allowed to bring a, an e-bike on the course or do they have any regulations for that? Yeah, I saw one guy with an e-bike and he had two batteries and he was planning to do it in three days, but yeah, yeah. so it's, it's, and it's kind of fun because it's just, and also open it up to a broader audience. Yeah, Yeah. it's just all kinds of people riding bikes and having fun. So it's really a community thing where you're not racing against anybody. Right, nice. Now we're talking about bikes. Tell us more about your bike setup. The number of bags you had on there and tires and yeah. just a little bit of everything just to give people kind of an indicator of... Uh... Yeah, so I on my original, actually first production run of the Open Up, so Gerard you know, started a nice thing there. So uh, then I got the 700C wheels and then uh, put on... 45 millimeter Svalbi G1. So okay. it's a really fast rolling tire. It is, yeah. Um, you don't really need that much extra grip there because you're not in the mud that much. But you want a little bit higher volume tire and something fast rolling. Then I had you know, lights on the bike, not on the helmet for this ride. Uh, and then bags, I just had a, I think it's a nine or 12 liter seat bag, which kind of struggled to fill it because a seat bag if you put, if you really compact that thing and, and roll it down, so it's a, almost becomes like a solid piece, then you can really attach it to the to the frame securely, and it doesn't bounce around. And then I had a the frame bag underneath the underneath the top tube, which uh, the whole length of the top tube, so can put in the tools you need for you know, if you have to fix something, to, so it's easy to access. Yeah. And then I just fill that with food. So you yeah. can keep eating along as I go. And then as long as you go, yeah. Keep a jacket in my back pocket and uh, just in case of rain, which yeah. indeed, <laughs> indeed we did need that. Um, so yeah, in terms of clothing, what you need to take on these is actually, uh, it's kind of interesting because uh, riding for most of 25 hours, from what I know of the wind tunnel and stuff, arrow is still important here. So. On both days, I did put on our Aero Race jersey because, from our calculations, you know, it makes about a 20 25 minute difference in the overall time of the event, which is huge. Huge. Yeah. When I got home, I didn't want to be out there for another 20 minutes. No. <laughs> so, and that jersey, it wicks so well, it's so comfortable. It's really, you know, except for some of the gravel hipsters that feel like they need to wear a, you know, a loose fitting jersey. Uh, to me, it was actually the, the ideal thing. And then, you know, performance clothing on an event like that is very much about comfort so i did one day in the premio the other day in the super legera short yeah it was hotter so it's looking for a really comfortable short that you can wear all day and you know, at least one part of your body you can kind of forget about you know you'll be good um beyond that to me the one of the most important parts is the hands uh just because you're you, know, you get your weight on your hands all the time and uh so good, good point, glove yeah. is important just to keep the padding. And then, you know, just for aesthetic reasons on this bike, I have a leather handlebar wrap, so there's no padding. So it's <laughs> kind of my own fault, but it looks good. It looks good. It looks good. Uh, so what glove did you Yeah, so did I did one bring? day in our endurance glove with the gel. Right. Uh, and the other day in the Rosso Versa glove, both of those so have gel to them. So Perfect. pad the hands, the hands yeah. a bit. And on these long events like this, without super technical riding, uh, I've got the bike set up with a nice narrow handlebar. So you see some of these guys with a 78 millimeter handlebars on their gravel bikes, but 
in this long stuff like this, you know, it, it, arrow does matter. And so, yeah, it, mine's what, 40 millimeters at the hoods and 46 on the drops. On the so drops, still yeah. Really yeah. wide to yeah. maneuverable, but you know, those sections where you do need, do need to just knock off the kilometers, you can just get into my arrow position. Tuck and, into and, you, yeah. yeah. Nice. Then uh, clothing wise, beyond just the jersey and shorts, which I brought a change of you know, jersey, shorts, socks, everything uh, base layer for the second day. Brought along a hydro jacket for rain, a puffy vest, which something a little more casual to wear to dinner, but also if it does get cold, you can, uh, you know, it's a good insulation layer. And then I also had a super lightweight wind vest because in the morning it was a little bit cool. Yeah. So, you know, those those uh, layering pieces that you can put over your jersey really to adapt almost anything you're gonna gonna find. You know, there was the weather forecast was pretty solid that we weren't going to have real cold so i didn't have any leg or knee warmers i did put in a pair of arm warmers for the morning oh, okay it felt yeah. good so you know seamless, just a regular arm warmers. seamless yeah yeah so just with pieces that are super easy to pack away you get a lot of warmth and protection but it's really easy to to combine them to yeah for anything you might might encounter nice as a conclusion how would you sum up your experience of riding the Tuscany trail in a few words to me, I've gotten onto this uh, every year, do one, maybe two of these kind of uh, long distance gravel events. It's like, a, so it's almost a relief in your cycling because it's, you go off and do something with no pressure and you don't have to go fast. You don't have to train hard for it. And it's just like a, a celebration of cycling. So it's a, to me, it's an absolutely phenomenal addition to all the cycling stuff we do. And it's, to me, it's super fun because there's that longer range preparation from training to dialing in the bike everything you have to take because you have to take everything with you but you don't want to have anything extra so right. the, the preparation possible. for it and then doing these events you got to find a friend or two to do it with and it so it becomes more of a social thing you know doing one of these i've seen guys out there i've actually done parts of some by myself and it gets kind of lonely yeah and uh yeah it's it's nice to put kind of like that big goal for the season, something to work for. And then you get out there and actually the event itself just turns into one of your most fun events of events, the entire yeah. season. My, my approach on these is that do a different one every year. Um, okay. So I don't really want to go back. I did the Traca, which was awesome, but I've done that. The Jeroboam, I've done that. Veneto Gravel, the 700 kilometer one, I've done that. Done so that a few times also. Yeah. yeah. So still looking for the big event for next year, but I guess the final words is that it's a fun change to your cycling routine. And the message I'd really like to get across to people is even the big kilometers like this, it's easier than it sounds. A couple of years ago, if you were talking about riding 480K across a gravel in two days, I would have said, you're nuts. But then you get into it and learn how to train for these things and it doesn't take that much time you know my, my big training was those two days of the Giro where you know I true yeah got up a little earlier and got out the house instead of rolling around for a long breakfast and you know went down to the event and got a ride back yeah you can really focus the event you just have to do a, get in some of those long rides at low intensity you got to push yourself over the edge so you're gonna come come home from one of those rides with your tail between your legs <laughs> Then you you know what you can do, and yeah. then no, you're right. Also because that you already have a very busy working 
schedule and you hardly, well, not saying hardly ever, because you do get out and do a few lunchtime rides now and then, especially, but the thing is more to go out there and test some new products. Uh, but then you do the long rides on the weekends. So, yeah. They're therapeutic just to get out there and enjoy it. Enjoy it, yeah. So, yeah, Tuscany Trail or Veneto Growl, there's a, well, it's an unlimited number of these, but uh, I'd say give, set yourself a challenge and go do one. They're pretty fun. I'll definitely, I'll definitely sign up for next year for sure. I'm in. Okay. Well, let's just try not to keep the group too big, as you said, and then <laughs> go in there. I'm sure there will be more people here from the office that would like to join us. I would also drop a few links in the podcast notes uh, for people to find official website, but also find your Insta and Strava profile if you want to go and check out your performance or also have, you know, maybe get in touch with you regarding other questions and stuff. I hope that's sure. okay. Okay, well then, Steve, thanks for joining the podcast. It was uh, always a pleasure. And um, then, uh, yeah. I think get out there for my lunchtime right now. Oh, yeah, it's already 12 o'clock. Yeah. Okay, let's do that. Okay. okay. Ciao, ciao. Thanks to Steve for joining us on today's episode of the Castelli Pod. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe, give us a five star review to help us be seen by other cyclists in the algorithms. If still a product-related question or topic you would like us to take up in a future episode, you can email us. I will drop a link to the email address in the podcast notes, or you can also contact us through the contact form on our website. Thanks again, everyone. Ride safe and see you soon.